As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? All right, it is Jaguars week. Look out, everyone, as the Cowboys are 10-3, and three, four games remaining in the season. Kent Garrison is not with us this week, getting some well-deserved time off, but I'm Kevin K.T. Turner, as usual, joined by Father John Mashota, the star of the show. As uh, we're recovering from that crazy game on Sunday where the Cowboys snuck by the Texans 27 to 23 and a lot has happened since then as we record this on Tuesday afternoon so keep that in mind John how you doing today man I'm good man you're right there is tons of stuff that continues to happen whether it's injury stuff or players being added but no this is uh let's just put it this way I think this is a uh bigger game than we were thinking maybe a few weeks ago no no doubt about it and it's gonna be a fun one I think on Sunday too I mean Whatever you thought about that Texans game, I think we we were joking around last week about, oh, it's not going to be the most interesting game, and there's not a ton to say about what's going to happen. And sure enough, the NFL will find a way to keep you keep you invested no matter what, but we're clearly invested here for the Cowboys. So let's start with the big story, uh, T.Y. Hilton. We'll start there, then we'll talk injuries and things like that. Let's start with T.Y. Hilton. How did that all uh, come about? Had you heard anything leading up to this about T.Y.? I, I hadn't. And uh, Jerry Jones said this morning that they had been in talks with, or at least been knowing that he's been out there and, and he's been a name that they've mentioned amongst themselves as a possibility. And um, in a way, it sounds like T.Y. Hilton was trying to come back and and join a team, you know, kind of what Odell Beckham's doing, except that he's ready to go right now, you know, and so you'll get some regular season games and you go into the playoffs. And so the key thing here is they think that he still has that speed that can help them add something to the receiver group you know in terms of being a student of the game and a savvy veteran he's going to have all that stuff mike mccarthy said yesterday the biggest obstacle for him will be just adapting to the language of the cowboys offense and that shouldn't be that shouldn't be an issue for him that you know as long as he can provide physically what's needed to win on Sundays, then I think that they'll be fine there. So I'm, I'm interested in it. Cause yeah, he's a guy that's been out there, uh, you know, hasn't signed with any team. So, you know, you know, he's out there He's a four time pro bowler, but you also know that his best years are behind him. So you hear that they sign him and uh, it, it just kind of came together quickly. Sounds like T Y Hilton probably had a few options and 
the Cowboys are one that he liked the most. And so it'll be interesting to see how he'll work in. But Mike McCarthy said, you know, he'll be out there Wednesday practicing. And so that means that they think that he has a chance to play on Sunday, which would be uh, pretty wild considering that, you know, all the Odell Beckham talk, uh, James Washington finally gets a chance to come back. He only played, I think, 13, uh, 12 or 13 uh, offensive snaps, only got one target, uh, wasn't able to hang on to the ball. But, uh, you know, all this has come together. But actions speak louder than words, and the actions are that the Cowboys felt like they needed another veteran-type wide receiver. And since Odell Beckham isn't a guy that is going to be around any time before the playoffs, uh, they, they couldn't wait that long, so they needed to add something. Yeah, I mean, it's like a big difference if T.Y. Hilton showed up and like, hey, I'll put my cleats on and work out for you guys, and Odell Beckham won't do that. Well, that gives you the edge. I thought it was um, – funny is not the word, but like James Washington, welcome back to the to the NFL slant route and he just gets hammered you know just gets like drilled okay welcome back but i don't know how much we were all expecting out of james washington or how much they will get out of james washington moving forward the thing about ty hilton that i kind of it's also a little ironic that cole beasley's back in the league the news today cole beasley's like rejoining the bills and the bills offense has at times looked very average and start to wonder maybe they were missing uh, that safety net right there they've got some Guys who can make some big plays with Diggs and Davis and sometimes Isaiah McKenzie, but maybe they were needing a safety net. And I wonder if T.Y. Hilton would bring more in, in that than the T.Y. Hilton that we know from, you know, his glory days. But I also have had in my head, like, hey, if they wanted to add some speed or something to diversify the offense a little bit, I've got no problem giving Kevontae Turpin more time. Um, and I know the muff pump might make you want to focus even more on just catching the punt, but – it's something I've thought about a lot. Like if you're talking about clearing space and making a defense cover a large portion of the field, well, let him run out there and let him, you know, run 60 yards down the field and make a safety pay attention to him. That's just and my if thoughts. that was sure. And uh, so by, by that thinking too, you could also bring in whoever the top sprinters are that the U S has, and you could just throw them. But then there's so many other things that go with it. You can't just be fast. You have to know the route tree. You have to be where the where the quarterback expects you to be on certain plays. You have to be able to catch the deep ball. You have to be, there's a lot more to it. And I bring that up because again, I say actions speak louder than words. So the actions are the words don't need to be spoken. The actions are they don't trust Cavante Turpin. They don't trust Jalen Tolbert. If either of those things, and this isn't a small sample size. This yeah. season, we're deep into the season. They practice four times a week, five times a week. They've had a chance to look at all these guys. So clearly the actions show you that they don't think that those guys are capable of doing those jobs. I mean, we've only seen Cavante Turpin really get out there with the offense when it's late in a game that a game's already over with. You know, you're not really seeing him getting a lot of meaningful snaps other than a jet sweep or something, a gimmick play here or there. They clearly are showing you that they don't believe that he can take on that type of a role. So they're moving forward with, hey, we got to add, we're going to add, uh, uh, what's it called? James Washington to the mix. We're going to add T.Y. Hilton to this mix. And then all of a sudden, we're going to hope that one of those guys can kind of elevate their 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 play to where we have four solid receivers we can count on with Noah Brown, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. And so yeah, I agree with you, but I think if they thought that Cavante Turpin could handle that, they wouldn't have signed T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, and there are other names that always get thrown out this time. You're like Will Fuller and things like that. And it's like, well, there's a reason these guys are free. Um, and a, a lot of times it's because no one wants them. And we've had these discussions with Odell Beckham. Like, Odell Beckham can say he's got suitors, but until he works out for someone, no one's going to sign him. And so I think that's something, but it does tell you with their actions that they were not feeling great about where they are at wide receiver down the, you know, down the depth chart. So 
there's that. Let's move on to some injuries and things like that. Unless you know, do you have any more on TY that you want to add before we jump to injuries? No, no, no. That's good. Go. It's it's hard to know. Like a 33 year old guy signing right. in December who hasn't played, you're kind of like, eh, but it's cheap and whatever. Uh, feeling good about Tyron this week. I know Jerry spoke this morning on the fan with Sean, RJ, and Bobby. Uh, how are we feeling about good about Tyron? Yeah, everything looks like as long as this week of practice goes well, that you will have Tyron Smith for Sunday. What'll be interesting about that is, you know, so then how do you shuffle around this offensive line now that Terrence Steele has been lost for the season? Jerry said after the game that, and, and you could tell by how Jerry was answering questions, it didn't sound good, even though they needed the MRI on Monday with Terrence Steele, it didn't sound good for him. So uh, he was focused on not moving you know, Tyron Smith over there or Tyler Smith over there. He wants those guys staying on the left side. This is going to be a Josh Ball slash Jason Peters thing on the right side. And while obviously the two big plays that Josh Ball allowed is, is what stands out to people the most. So you just look at that and you're like, well, why would you put him back out there? But I don't know that they're 100% confident that Jason Peters can play a full game. And, and, and if even if he gets through a full game to play game after game after game, I don't know if if how confident they are in his ability to do that. Because certainly if he can, that seems like a no-brainer. Jason Peters, yeah, we know you haven't played right tackle in a long time, but we'll take the growing pains with you compared to the growing pains we might, or might get with the other guy. you know. And so uh, as far as uh, Tyron Smith goes, I think what will end up happening is that you know he takes back over at left tackle, and then you go with either Tyler Smith or Connor McGovern at left guard. But even that, I mean, you there was a time when we would just thought, oh, well, that'll be Tyler Smith, no doubt. But they really like what Connor McGovern's done at left guard. So this week in practice, I would say one of the most interesting things outside of what T.Y. Hilton does is how they shuffle this offensive line because uh, this thing's far from set. And this is the time of year when Mike McCarthy wants that offensive line to be set so that you're just building week after week going into the playoffs. And because of these injuries, they haven't had a chance to do that. Yeah, no, and I, it's, it's weird because we were kind of – the Josh Ball thing, it's very easy, I think, to just write him off. The Cowboys front office is not just going to write Josh Ball off, partially because of how recently they selected him. But there's a good portion of the fan base that would want to write Josh Ball off. And someone on Twitter said mentioned, well, didn't a lot of the media do that to Terrence Steele? And I was like, yeah, but I think it's a little different. And the reason I say it's different, Terrence Steele, when he was thrown into things the first year he was here, it – we all knew that he probably shouldn't have been playing that much. Uh, who was the other guy? Knight. Remember him? Brandon. Was it Brandon Knight? Brandon Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just felt like he shouldn't be playing. And it was a different situation. It's a different situation now because you're a 10 and three team who is quite frankly, hard to argue, not a top four team in the NFL. Maybe you want to throw Cincinnati in there. We could, we could talk about that. So I, that, that's where it kind of is a little different. So when we were playing Terrence Steele a few years ago, we weren't really talking about the Cowboys the way we're talking about them right now. So when Josh Ball comes in and affects a series that could lose you a game, that becomes problematic. I do wonder how much they would want to play Tyron, given how much, like, we saw that it's different, but the Jason Peters ramp up was very few snaps here, few snaps, and you're ramping up to where you play a little more in the case that they were going to need him to play a lot more. And I wonder if it's like how they treat Ty Tyron, like here's two series, here's three series. You're good. Let's get ready for the Eagles. I, I wonder, but 
like this is probably going to be a close game. <laughs> so right, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah, they might want to do that, but also you're playing a team that will beat you if you play like yeah. you did on Sunday. They will beat you. There's not a doubt in my mind. They've had one outlier game in the last four or five weeks, and that was that Lions game that they lost forty to fourteen. Outside of that, I mean this this Jacksonville team is. I mean they beat the Ravens. Uh, they just won by two touchdowns over the Titans. They played the the Chiefs close. I mean this is not a team that is. Uh, you know, playing bad football. They have Doug Peterson, a coach that obviously knows the Cowboys very well from his time with the with the Eagles. They have, you know, a, a first overall pick in Trayvon Walker on defense. They have a first overall pick in Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Like, you know, I thought that the Texans game would be like, yeah, we can move around some pieces, see how things go. Never got to that level because you were fighting to the very last second. So um, I don't know that they can go in here as just like, well, we'll give Tyron a little bit. You got to win this game, you know. And so, but here's Mike Mar- Mike McCarthy yesterday on, on Josh Ball. I thought Josh Ball had some good snaps. He had two plays that were big plays for Houston, but other than that, he graded out well. He's made a lot a lot of progress throughout the year. So, just wanted to add that in. Yeah, I mean, look, they're probably not gonna go crap on the guy, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I mean, maybe they actually saw it, but like we're watching the game, we're like, okay, he's directly impacting the game in a negative way. And when it stands out like that on the offensive line, it's unavoidable. When we've seen teams have one backup offensive line, I mean, Chaz Green's the example we're using right here, but you've seen other teams around the NFL have one guy go down, affects the team in a tremendous way, and they can't move the ball because it just messed up the whole offensive line. And that's what was happening there. And I don't know how much Peters can play. I don't know that Peters can go play 60 snaps. I, I hope he can, but I don't think – I don't think they can rely on that. So, yeah, we're going to get some Josh Ball on Sunday. <laughs> get ready, right? Um, Hankins. I mean, I thought Hankins had been pretty good in his small time here. I mean, that not like super splashy position, but once a week, a big tackle for a loss. Um, he's been good, and, and it sounds like he's done for the year. And then, you know, Jerry's t- being optimistic about maybe him playing in the playoffs. What are you thinking there? Yeah, he was reaching to make a run stop, and, and you could see he immediately grabbed his chest. So it was like one of those things last year in the, in train, I'm mean, not in training camp, but in preseason Neville Gallimore, same type of deal went to reach to, to try and make a tackle with one hand while you're fighting off a block and, and, and ended up injuring something, you know, in his pack. And so now he has this pack strain that Mike McCarthy said yesterday was significant. And for him to say significant, I knew it wasn't going to be, Oh, he might be back in two or three weeks. So to your point, it probably is Jerry being optimistic by saying he could be back by the time for the playoffs, I will say though, a lot of people thought Jerry was being optimistic when they said Tyron Smith could be back by December. So you never really know with these injuries, but clearly not a good, it's not, it's not a good prognosis considering the fact that they were playing better run defense uh, with him in there. They clearly, that has been one of their weaknesses. It's been, he's been a good addition for them. And now it looks like you potentially have lost him for the season. And Hey, I, I mean, you know, injuries happen. All every team is is going to have them. You know, throughout the year, just it's it's a tough one that they lose Terrence Steele in this game, and it looks like they they've lost Hankins as well. So, Oso Diggy Osa Diggy Zoo has got to step up. Neville Gallimore's got to step up, um, and they probably need a couple other guys. You know, uh, to kind of fill in Quentin Bohanna. You know, who's been dealing with some injuries. Uh, they're going to need they're going to need some help there because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that. I would say run defense is one of the number one things we were talking about, and Hankinson's clearly helped him there. No, he absolutely has, and uh, it's you know you look at the defensive line and have all this depth. And Neville Gallimore is a guy who six weeks ago we were talking about: are they going to cut him? Are they going to? And then you know he he made a few plays the other day uh, in the Texans game. So I mean they got guys. So it, it's fine on that end. It's just 
yeah, I mean, Hankins is helping you. So there you go. Jacksonville can beat you in a number of different ways, too. I mean, it's, it's interesting about them. I mean, they can run it a little bit. Trevor Lawrence is playing his best football in the NFL so far. Uh, dare I say that Doug Peterson has fixed him. I don't know. I'm not the world's biggest Doug Peterson fan, by the way. But um, <laughs> dare I say that he fixed him. This is the best he's looked in the NFL last week against Tennessee. So definitely going to be a fun one. Six-point spread. I uh, thought that was probably fair, but I thought it might be a little closer than that. I kind of thought we might be looking at three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half, uh, just given you know the way the last couple of games have gone. But – you know, yeah, last time I checked, it was down to four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. This is where I think you get a game two where we're going to find out how concerning the secondary issues are. Um, because Chris Moore is pretty much all the Texans had and running out of Maury Rogers, who didn't even know their full playbook yet. Like they got dudes here uh, and they're not world beaters by any means. Christian Kirk's very good. Um, Zay Jones is okay. Marvin Jones is okay and someone you have to pay attention to. Evan Ingram had a huge day, kind of the safety net guy for, for Trevor Lawrence, but he's okay. So multiple guys they can throw at you now. And it is weird how the season turns. I thought it was interesting how Houston played Dallas uh, offensively. Um, I thought like Houston was kind of daring Dallas to run. And I think Dallas, as we talked about the other night, a little bit was like, it's almost like the Cowboys were thinking about the game that I think a lot of fans are thinking about this game. Well, yeah, we'll get up by four scores and we'll be able to yank everyone in the fourth quarter. And really, I don't know if, if, if things change if you're able to run the ball, but when Terrence Steele gets hurt and you can't run the ball as much as you were, that created a lot of problems. And I'm hoping it's not last year all over again, but I don't know. Last week's the first time I started thinking in my head I was having flashbacks to how the offense was kind of functioning last year where it was, we're going to rush four, we're going to play the run uh, as best we can, and if you guys want to try to throw it, you can. We're going to have seven people back there, and you're going to have to deal with it. And I kind of saw that a little bit last week, and I thought that was interesting and a little ominous. That's why you had T.Y. Hilton, so that you can, you know, you need another guy that can help you win in those situations, that can defeat some of those uh, defensive schemes and things like that. So that that must be also why, I mean, it didn't take very long. He came in on Monday. They signed him on Monday. It wasn't like they were waiting like, well, let's just see, you know, maybe, maybe we'll add him later on in the week. Maybe we'll wait till after the Jacksonville game. We'll, you know, give Tolbert some snap. No, they were like, Nope, we need this. Let's do this now. We we've, we got to move forward. You know, you know, Jerry will still talk about Odell Beckham, but that doesn't seem like that's something anyone else in the building is really considering at this point, they're moving forward with what they have. So uh, I think that's what their hopes are is that T Y Hillen can be another guy there that, when there is that type of coverage that they're they're showing, he can beat some of that coverage with his veteran savvy and whatever he has left in the tank. But um, I don't know. I, I look at the Cowboys' offense like there's more than enough weapons there. I, I you know, it's going to take you know some getting used to and things like that. But this isn't like they lost Debo Samuel for the rest of the regular season or some you know the equivalent to on their team. I mean, there's teams that are dealing with a lot worse than this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm glad you mentioned the corners because that is something that I've been thinking about too. Like at what point, uh, you know, are we going to see a Mackenzie Alexander or Kendall Sheffield, like a veteran that maybe they, now they're not the prototypical size that the Cowboys like in their, in their corners. But I mean, you're getting thin over there. Trayvon Diggs got the thumb banged up. It's not anything that's going to keep him out of a game, but he's got that, uh, you know, Kelvin Joseph, Nation Wright, they get out there. They're going to be going against better guys than they would have been going against, against the Texans. Like you mentioned, Jerron Bland has been solid, but yeah, I mean, there's another, they need another DB out of that group to kind of step up because at any point in the game, one of your DBs has to come out and then all of a sudden, boom, Nation Wright's in there. You know, he hasn't played very much this season. I think last Sunday were the first, you know, snaps he's got defensively. And I only think it was a few um, all season. So I, I, I'm more concerned about corner for them than I am about them getting their offense uh, to play better than it did against the Texans. And, and a quarterback who can run it, too, which we saw Driscoll cause a little bit of you know, problems the other day. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> not Nothing crazy. But that's always a little concerning, too. Uh, we get the, the quarterback who can run a little bit. But I'm with you. I make sure it's all nerve-wracking. Uh, and it's not even like what, the weird uh, traditionally, like maybe you look at the schedule and you go, oh, trap game. No, Jacksonville's kind of good. Um, they were like a team who's – I think I don't know if it's fell off. I need to check on that. And I I kind of look at point differentials sometimes. I don't think that tells you a complete story, but I always think that's a very interesting stat because it does tell you for the most part which teams are beating up on each other and, and uh, which teams have like consistently been able to score points without giving up a ton and things like that. Yeah, they're a zero point differential. They're right at even, and they're five and eight. Uh, earlier in the year, they were one of the top twelve or fourteen teams. And point differential, the Cowboys obviously with that game only winning by four that put put them in the in the great point differential category, third in the league behind, of course, your Eagles and then Buffalo. Cowboys are one point behind Buffalo in point differential. That's kind of a fun stat for me. Um, I mean, yeah, you look at since November started, they beat the Raiders twenty seven twenty. They lost at Kansas City twenty seven to seventeen. Then they beat the Ravens twenty eight twenty seven. Then they had that clunker at Detroit when they lost 40 to 14. And then they win by two touchdowns last week at Tennessee. I mean, this is not going to be some team that you're just going to roll over. They're going to be much better than that Texans team. Yeah. And they've got dudes who it's, it's weird. Like they don't have your, uh, your um, prototypical like 10 sack guy or anything like that. But Josh Allen, top 10 draft pick, get a a little pressure on you. Trayvon Walker, number one pick in the draft. You can get a little pressure on you. Arden key who fell in the draft, even though he was super talented, from LSU. You know, he can do some things. Uh, Dwayne Smoot's a really good player on the defensive line. Like they got dudes who can, you know, get after the quarterback a little bit too, and maybe you don't think about it because they don't have that one guy or two guys that sometimes teams have. They're kind of coming in waves, but, you know, two of those guys are top ten picks. Arden Key was a highly thought-of prospect of his, you know – Whatever the, the questions about him were, I mean, he he could have been a top ten pick, you know, that year. It just there was an injury and there was some other questions about him. So they got dudes who can get after the quarterback as well. So I mean, you have you got to be 
Look, it's not one of those games where you just give them the ball and uh, it, it, get away with it because you're playing the Texans or the Colts or or the Bears, you know, and you just get away with something. And they need something from special teams. Uh, I don't need Turpin to have a touchdown or anything, but, you know, we saw him early in the season flip the field a couple times and really kind of impact games like that. And that's something that's been missing the last half uh, of the season so far. And I think that's something that we'd like to see happen. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that fumble or muff punt. Oh. Crucial. That's that was a huge play in that game. I mean, yeah. things were going exactly how you said the Cowboys wanted, where they could just kind of get into a nice lead. Second half, you know, you see Cooper rush out there. And things all of a sudden that bump, that muff punt happens. Texans score. You got yourself a ball game, and now you now it's going back and forth, and it's not you know you're you're getting guys injured, and it's not going as easily as you thought, but. Hey, I think that that game, even though they probably won't admit it, was a little bit of a wake-up call. So now you go into this game, I think it's almost uh, a positive for them when they look at this Jags tape and they saw that you know they beat the Tennessee Titans by two touchdowns, as opposed to if they're coming into this game having you know easily taken care of the Texans and and the Jags are coming off a forty fourteen loss to Detroit. I can see how you'd overlook them. I, I don't think with the way the Cowboys played on Sunday or the way the Jacksonville played on Sunday that the Cowboys are going to go into this game taking them lightly. I really don't. I don't either. It feels like you're going to get another Micah rebound game. Every time yeah. we came in and talked about it, well, Micah looked like he was a little out of gas or a little banged up. The next week, he's come over and had a huge week. So it might be back to that as well. Uh, I want to get uh, your picks, and then I, I got a few other you know, questions on the bounce off of you here. So uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first here. I am picking the Cowboys because I want to keep this – you know, hope alive of potentially catching the Eagles. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys, but I do think this is going to be a tight one. And I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'm going 31-28 Cowboys in overtime. Mm, that is interesting. I'm also going to go with the Cowboys. I don't. I'm not going to have it go to overtime. Um, I guess I'll go with more of a uh, 27-17. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh, one other thing. Yeah. Let's be honest. We talked about it a little bit after after the game on Sunday, but the whole idea of, you know, the offense staying aggressive and that being the reason for those those interceptions, I thought it was interesting how Jerry mentioned that on the radio this morning about how he's like, you know, I want to see the aggressiveness on the offense, but you can do that without turning the ball over. You know, there, there's definitely some truth that I know people hear that quote and think like, well, yeah, obviously, but there is a case of every time that Dak has been asked after – after one of these games about one of his interceptions, he's gone immediately to the, at some point in his answer about how I want to stay aggressive. We want to be aggressive. Well, there's, there's a point where you can be too aggressive. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, it's gotten a lot of quarterbacks in trouble, you know, over the, and believe me, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm sure there's some people out there, but not many people have watched Matthew Stafford as long as I have. Believe me, there isn't a too aggressiveness. You know, I've watched a lot of Jameis Winston. You know, they they got these big arms. They can make all these throws, but there is a too aggressiveness. There's a line that you have to kind of walk there. So maybe maybe with T.Y. Hilton getting in the mix, he'll he'll provide some more easier, obvious throws as opposed to having to force balls into Noah Brown with three guys around him and things like that. And yes, Noah Brown should have caught that. But at the same time, it's in a spot where you're kind of scratching your head. Like, why, why are you throwing that there at that time? Um, there, there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, I understand the coaches, they don't want to sit there and the game is so fast. They're not going to sit there and tell 
Dak, he has to change up the way he's playing. But there's certain things where you got to dial it back a little sure. bit. You know, you got to take a little bit more with the. And the crazy part is that's what he's been so great at for most of his career. I don't know if it's because of the injury and him coming back that he's like really trying to do more or whatnot. But particularly these these interceptions in the second quarter, with I think seven out of his nine have come there. There's clearly a point in that game right there where he's being probably too aggressive. Okay, so that second drive of the game for the Cowboys, I thought was telling because they tried to get the run going, ended up being, you know, a three and out. And I thought that was ours. Like, okay, we're going to start ripping it now. And I think the looks were were telling you to run the ball still. And you get shut down on one drive, and that's why you got to the half and Dak had thrown it 23 times and they ran the ball 11 times. I think that second drive just kind of changed things. And they came out the second half and had the drive where they just ran the ball 10 times. But anytime, and I swear I'm not doing the bit where I run over McCarthy for no reason. I swear to God, I'm not doing that. But anytime I start hearing cheese comments during the week, I'm like, well, that tells me that you really are thinking about this opponent as a lesser than an average NFL team. And they are. But we should, when comments like that are even being thrown around, oh, we can't get caught eating the cheese and all that stuff. Dude, that, that's why I think Kellen Moore decided, hey, we're going to run it four times on the goal line. Because you were playing the Texans differently than you would play a good team. You were just mindset, game plan, all of it. You can't convince me otherwise. You think they're playing the Giants or the Eagles in a key division game. You think their plan is to invite everyone into the box. We're just going to, you know, we're gonna, we're the better team. We're going to beat you. No, there's going to be some creativity and there would be something else. I'm talking about that goal line, you know, uh, sequence in the third quarter. But I, uh, you know, I get it. And I think every NFL team does that some. But doing it too much will get you beat every once in a while. So you're not going to see that this week. They'll be ready to go this week. That's what I, I like Dak's quote. Sometimes games like this are better than when you kill someone by 30. And he's right. He's definitely right. I do want to bounce a, a few NFL things off of you uh, while we're here. Are you buying this Brock Purdy thing in San Francisco? Uh, still kind of a small sample size for me. I, I will say that what San Francisco has going on seems very player friendly in general. I don't want to just say quarterback friendly because it seems like they lose players and other players just, you know, continue to step up. I mean, you know, you talk about you not wanting to beat it beat it to death the mike mccarthy stuff i don't want to beat this to death but i'll remember this for the rest of my life is that when it was nut cutting time against the 49ers in that playoff game last year there was no nick bose on the team there was i'm on the field there was no fred warner on the field those are their two best defensive players and yet the 49ers still came up with enough stops you know you would look at that on paper and be like if you told somebody before that playoff game that that was going to happen yeah in the second half you know the niners aren't going to have warner or nick bosa You'd be like, even if the Cowboys are down, you know, two two touchdowns, they can come back on that. I mean, that yeah. defense is going to be in in bad shape. But so it's tough because I look at them and I'm like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. I think he's okay and solid and he's performed well there. So maybe just Shanahan and company have like a very uh, player friendly uh, operation there, so other guys can step in. I think Brock Purdy and and their game plan and and Shanahan and company are are good enough to knock you off in the playoffs but i'll use uh i'll use i'll use jimmy garoppolo and jared goff as an example both of them i think you know they've shown they can get you to a super bowl i still don't know if you can win a super bowl with either one of them i think brock purdy's like that in terms of brock purdy's ceiling is probably like that too i just 
I'm not a huge believer in the, okay, you can show me Tom Brady and say he was a sixth round pick and I'll show you the rest of history that shows you, you know, drafting Mr. Irrelevant as your next franchise quarterback star yeah. is highly unlikely. So, uh, I mean, yes, could they, can they beat good teams in the playoffs with them? Yeah, probably. I don't know that they're going to string together enough victories that are going to get them to Arizona though. Yeah, I mean, he only threw the ball 21 times against the Tampa Bay because, quite frankly, they got up so quickly they didn't really have to do much. And I think you can get up ahead if the defense, if it's a perfect crime, uh, the perfect you know situation where, well, the defense is not ready for what we game planned here. We game planned some awesome stuff to start the game, and then you're up by three scores, and Tom Brady's whipping it into you know seven defensive backs and throwing multiple interceptions. Um, the other one. So Minnesota, uh, you're higher on Minnesota than I am, or have been. Mm, we'll see yeah. where we are now yeah, after last I'm, week. I'm dwindling on them. That's uh, well, the Lions are the Jaguars of the NFC. I mean, to to me, it's I mean, not, I know it's not that. that. Killed and them. this is this is a conspiracy theory with me, but I just go back to that Cowboys Vikings game, or uh, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And going into that game, the line was like Cowboys either minus one or minus two. And that just where the Cowboys were at that time, the way the Vikings were playing, and the fact that it was a Sunday night game at home, I remember thinking to myself, there's no way that this line should be anything under Vikings minus four. And the fact that they were plus one or two, whatever it was, left me scratching my head. And then I got a chance to watch the game. Yeah. And the Cowboys absolutely obliterated them. So fast forward to this Sunday, and I'm like, I understand the Lions have been playing better, but the Lions are favored by two over the Vikings who have the second best record in the NFL. This doesn't make sense. Why is this? Why is this? And then you see the game and you're just like, oh, clearly somebody in Vegas somewhere knows that there's some fool's gold going on in Minnesota because both of those lines just stood out to me as like, that seems really weird for where that team was comparative to the team that they were playing at. I just, there's something strange. So no, I am not as, as sold on them. I mean, they can put up, Obviously, some big numbers on offense, but you know, if I'm ranking teams that you want to play in the in the playoffs in the NFC, I mean, they got to be number two for me, right behind the the Bucks. You know, going back to the Brock Purdy thing. Obviously, 49ers look great. You know, they lose Debo, still sure. you know win by a lot. Also makes you kind of look well. Let's look at the other side of the ball. How good is this Bucks team? I mean, they certainly look like a team that doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Obviously, they are they'll because of the fact that they, yeah, they'll win their division, but. Yeah, the, the, the Bucks and the Vikings are clearly the, the, the two teams that you'd want to play uh, if you get a chance in the playoffs. I'm holding out hope for just chaos and the Panthers finding a way to backdoor themselves right. in there, but it's just not going to happen. And that's how it's going to be. The Bucks are going to be the four seed, and the Cowboys are likely going to be the five. I mean, you we do this every year, but you can really forecast it. It feels like more than most years this year. And, you know, well, week one's going to be in Tampa Bay. Now, there's still small chances you can move around. It also looks like the whole division's going to get in the playoffs. If you had told me that, I'd be like, you're a freaking idiot. That's not yeah. happening. I cannot I, – I can't wait. I, we're, we're seeing what Seattle is, and I'm glad we're finally seeing what Seattle is. We're seven and six, and that's not a playoff team. And we're all learning that on the fly here. The Lions are weirdly in that area where they could backdoor their way into the mix. Sunday night this week is Giants and Commanders, and I'm praying, not praying, I'm begging for them to tie again. I just think that would be great. Two ties, 
Well, to be clear, when I when I said when I said that the play you want to play the Vikings or the Bucks, I meant from a Cowboys perspective because the Cowboys can't play Washington or the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. Believe me, if you got if if it was some type of where they reseeded for the playoffs with best record, believe me, you would gladly play the Giants or Washington over the Vikings or or Bucks. But that's not going to be a possibility for for the Cowboys. Hundred percent. If it started today, we'd have Giants Vikings, which weirdly. It would be a one-score game that I think the Vikings would right. win. Right, I agree. Uh, 49ers, <laughs> Commanders. The 49ers would kill the Commanders. Yeah. And the Cowboys, yep. Bucks. And I would like to tell you that I would pick the Cowboys, but how? I'm just not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy that says, oh, Tom Brady's dead. Nah. Yeah. Just wait. Just wait. He does right. it all the time. How many times do you have to be wrong about putting him in a coffin? And he's going to play next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So play next year. <laughs> Gosh. And then Kyler Murray tore his ACL last night. I'm going to tell you this right now. I texted my brother when that happened, and I go, you don't even know how unbearable Twitter would be right now if that injury would have happened on turf. <laughs> turf grass. That was a big win for the grass people oh, last night. But the grass people aren't going to be the people that are tweeting like, see, the, the or the, the turf people aren't going to be like, see, this can happen on grass too. Nobody... That side doesn't say anything. It just yeah. when anything happens on turf, it's just like, and, and and I'm, I'm pretty confident that grass is safer to play on. If 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 I had it my way, I I would have all these NFL teams playing on grass. But it's just like how loud some people get about it whenever there's any like yeah. as if no injuries ever happen on grass, you know. And so the fact that especially the reason why I thought of it is because it. Kyler wasn't touched, you know, and it's like anytime you see one of those on turf, you're like, see, this is why these guys shouldn't be playing on turf. And you're just like, well, no, these injuries can happen on grass, too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Boy, you look at the AFC playoff matchups, too. I read it. Yeah. Patriots at the Chiefs. I don't think highly of the Patriots, but you get the Chargers in there. The Chargers could be dangerous. The Chargers could get in over the Patriots. Dolphins, Ravens, and then Bengals, Titans. Like all of those games are really fun. Yeah. Dolphins, Ravens would be great. You go to the Uh, NFC. Yeah. You're the NFC and you're like, oh, the Giants, okay. Uh, the Commanders, okay, yeah, okay, great, good playoff teams there. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, all balance. those in that in that entire clump right there of of Washington, New York, Seattle, and Detroit. I don't think any of them like really blow you away, you know, because yeah. they don't have none of them have you know the proven winner at quarterback like you would get to if you go the next step down. You get to five and eight Green Bay. You know, obviously the NFL would love for green Bay to sneak in there because of Rogers, you know, but I don't think that that's going to happen. So yeah, it's, it's not really exciting there at the bottom, but if you're the Cowboys, it looks like you're on this collision course right now where you're just, you're going to, you're going to be playing the bucks. All right. Well, there's four games left. We'll be back Sunday. John's got to go to Jacksonville. One of his favorite cities on his top five cities list, Jacksonville, (laughs) one of his favorites. Um, I'm actually excited because this is one of, I'm down to, think five stadiums I haven't been to. And this is, this is one of them, yeah, but yeah, very with, much. with that, with that being said, a couple of years ago, I did a survey among all uh, NFL writers at the athletic and we did a stadium ranking. And uh, this, this particular venue was actually second to last KT behind Washington. So I have that to look forward to. Oh, and it's a nooner though. So you'll get back early and yeah, look at the, it's the little things that count. See you next time on About Them Cowboys. I think Kent's back next week, so that'll be good. Uh, For Father John Machota, I'm Kevin. Enjoy the athletic. We love you.